0: Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi,
1: I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
2: It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revelle.
1: As the government's told to make the commitment if they want to be in next year's championship. Nissan goes global for the Pertec Cup. And what do teams do in the break before Darwin?
3: Some updates on the car. We've got some engine things coming for the next event, uh, which I know are on target. That's
1: all coming up today as the red lights go out on
4: another edition of the V8 Insiders.
2: Would you like to own a V8 supercar just like Lounge, Wink-Up or Frosty? Maybe historic Australian muscle cars are more your thing. Well, stop dreaming and go to motorfocus.com.au. We have over 2,000 highly detailed models in stock ready to mail. Get your models online at motorfocus.com.au.
1: Here is the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out their entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. Englishman Alex Buncombe will make his V8 Supercars Championship debut at this year's Endurance events. Buncombe will share the drive with Todd Kelly. His V8 Supercar opportunity follows excellent pace in the 2014 Bathurst 12-hour and winning form in Europe driving with Nissan. The announcement continues the Nismo Global Driving Exchange Program that James Moffat and Rick Kelly have already participated in this year. And whilst there's been a lot of speculation on what Erebus' future will be, with rumours of them possibly linking with a new manufacturer, including Volvo, Volvo Matt Baird has confirmed that the manufacturer to win a championship they believe will have to change their current structure.
5: Look, I think with what we've got here and obviously seeing the race win, we certainly have the capability to do it with, with the, the Volvo Polestar Racing Team as it stands. However, realistically, if you look at the pure numbers on the grid, We are aware that a proper championship bid would really, really require more cars than that. So uh, we're very pleased with the way it's going so far. Down the track, depending on what we see this year, there might be scope to go further than that and and put more cars on the grid eventually.
1: Tasmania's place in the championship has been questioned this week with the new government keen to keep the series at Siemens Plains but have not committed to V8 Supercars. This week, V8 Supercars started their campaign to secure the government's support, announcing that they need a commitment within five weeks to ensure Siemens Plains will remain on the calendar. VH Supercars has indicated that they want a 16 event calendar and with a possible second race in the USA, new tracks being developed in Australia, in Queensland and South Australia particularly, where will events like Tassie and Sydney Motorsport Park sit in the future of the series? Interestingly, the VH Supercars a few weeks ago learnt that Damian White had already offered tickets to a community group for next year's event after concerns were raised over the changes in the format last year. I imagine there'd be more concerns if they didn't show up at all. Wild cards have been called for the endurance races. Here is Tim Edwards.
6: For us, our number one priority going to Bathurst is to win Bathurst. Um, And, you know, if if we thought running a a fifth car, which would have been for us, was going to be any form of distraction, then we wouldn't do it. You know, it's just not worth the inconvenience. So we're probably not a great example. Um, but you know saying that you know we have spare cars we could lease them out you know Roland did that a few years ago he leased out one of his spare cars to I think it was the Cedars so it became it wasn't a distraction to him because you know there's the car go and run it (laughs) kind of thing so you know that sort of model you'd look at but you know clearly that you know it's going to come down to finances um, and somebody underwriting it because there's there's no other reason to do it than uh, for, for financial gain really for us anyway unless it was a partnership with a corporation or someone that you'd like to be able to leverage up oh look i mean if all of a sudden one of our sponsors pepsi came to us and said we we want to run another car with one of their other products on you know they want a pepsi kick card or a gatorade car yeah great example um Uh, then, of course, there's commercial considerations about, you know, why you do it. And that's exactly what Roland did last year with the Xbox car, you know. He um, had the car available. It was a good commercial opportunity, you know. He had the resources, so it wasn't a distraction. Um, So, look, you know, of course we'd look at it, but as every, uh, every team in the pit lane would look at it.
1: But there's also been a discussion about returning to class racing for the 1000 at Bathurst we asked Tim Edwards and Craig Lowndes about their thoughts on whether they should have a look at having Dunlop cars in the field in their own class.
6: I think everybody would agree that we need more cars on the grid at Bathurst. You know, there's, we all remember 50 cars being on the grid at Bathurst. But I think, first and foremost, let's try and see what other wildcard entries. Because all of a sudden, you know, last year you didn't see any wildcard entries because new, you know, car of the future, not many spare cars floating around. There are actually quite a few I'll cars. i tell you what, Roland's car was pretty good. Yeah, well, yeah, there, there, correct. So that's, there's a one-off. So I think before we even think about second classes, let's just see what interest we can generate to run more main series cars. First, you know, that's that's obviously a, that would be the best scenario. You know, if we end up with five extra cars through that process, you know, that would be the best thing. And then, and then, yeah, I don't th- I don't know that anyone said no yet to the Dunlop Series proposal. But I think firstly, you want to see what interest there is for, to run more main series cars. Yeah. There's a couple of Gary Rogers' old Commodores from last year floating around. So, you know, there's two current cars that can be run. You know, we've got two spare cars, um, you know, so there are cars floating around. And, you know, they've put the entries out um, just last week, so that's earlier than they normally do. Just to see what interest there is, and um, we'll see where we go. It's more the fact of just having the quality of drivers in in the at Bathurst. Bathurst is a daunting track. It's like going to Le Mans or going to uh, uh, Nurburgring or anything else like that. It's uh, one of those circuits uh, you uh, you really need to have people with good experience uh, more than more than just having you know. M- different categories i think that's uh, when you do the 12 hour you notice a difference you know with with good drivers in, in even slower cars uh you know they get out of your way and they look after you and uh, so i don't think it's a problem with a with a speed difference it's more of the quality of the drivers
1: finally the latest edition of ADX magazine is on sale now celebrating 25 years of hrt all the great exclusive columnists are in there and with a lot lot more it's on sale now it's in stores but you need to hurry but you can also get it online. Check out the great new V8X app at v8x.com.au. On this week's roundtable, Peter Norton and Adrian Mussolino will join me to look at the corporate and marketing side of V8 supercars following the corporate and marketing meeting held at Perth two weeks ago. So that's the news on the Vat Insiders brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out their entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au.
5: News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the
4: official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars.
2: Would you like to own a V8 Supercar just like Lounge, Wink up, or Frosty? Maybe historic Australian muscle cars are more your thing. Well stop dreaming and go to motorfocus.com.au. We have over 2,000 highly detailed models in stock ready to mail. Get your models online at motorfocus.com.au.
4: You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars.
2: Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
1: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, uh, the editor-in-chief of uh, V8X magazine, Adrian Mussolino. Good evening, Adrian.
7: Good
5: evening, Craig. How are you?
1: Very well, thank you. As I'm sure is Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport. How are you, Peter?
5: I'm excellent, Craig, and uh, yes, good evening, Adrian. Yep. Good
1: evening, Craig. First thing to uh, probably have a quick chat about, I didn't do this story in the news, but it was an interesting one in the Gold Coast Bulletin where, uh, unfortunately, Stephen Johnson has uh, suffered a fate similar to his father, Peter, where he's been declared bankrupt.
5: Um, Yes, this one... um I'm finding it a little bit unusual because it doesn't fit the usual pattern. Um, Usually, uh, people who are running a business, um, uh, they become bankrupt because of the business debts that uh, you become personally liable for. uh, But uh, often, uh, people have protected their home uh, by putting it into their spouse's name, uh, and uh, it's safe and sound there. Uh, But this one, unfortunately, uh, both... uh, Uh, Steve and his uh, wife have been uh, 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 caught and uh, 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 bankrupt uh, because of loans secured against their personal home uh, and uh, the value of the home uh, came up short against what they owed.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's always a shame to find out anyone in that position, but um, it is uh, startling and, and a bit shocking that uh, he has uh, ended up in that position because I think most people have the view that if you're a V8 supercar driver, you're making squillions of dollars and, and uh, you know, you're financially set for life.
5: Well, what we don't know is whether it's uh, uh, debts relating to Dick Johnson Racing uh, that tipped the balance or whether it is simply the uh, property market in uh, that part of Queensland, the 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 top end of the property market there, the prestige uh, market. Um, Yes, some of those homes have fallen by significant amounts, leaving people short. So uh, perhaps more realistically, it's a little bit of both.
6: Mm.
1: Of course, uh, Adrian, Dick Johnson Racing is a team that's so close to so many uh, supporters' hearts and any time that something around Dick Johnson Racing uh, gets into the media, it's always, uh, well, uh, it's always something that gets a lot of attention.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Let's not forget how close the team came to not making the grid last season because of the financial concerns you sort of touched on and that's been a sort of of late at Big Johnson Racing the financial situation yeah, let's not forget there is no manufacturer support going on there aside from some technical um, relationship with Ford Performance Racing so it's tough times for to D. Johnson Racing and I think that's why we're seeing um, off track there's been a push and it's out there that Penske and D Johnson are in negotiations and I-, I think that's what needs to happen for this team, I think it's exhausted it's sort of um,
1: bank if you like and it needs some support to keep going into the future mm. now uh, whilst uh, we were in perth it was an interesting weekend and it seems like uh, well it's, it's not seems like it is a, a meeting that was called on saturday morning that's going to be the feature of uh, most of this round table and uh, that was a commercial managers meeting and it had, uh, well, quite a few of the heavy hitters of V8 supercars, along with all the teams, commercial and media managers, getting together in what I'm led to believe is the first meeting of that type in 18 months. In fact, at the Sydney Motorsport Park Test Day was the last time that all the commercial managers and media managers got together with V8 supercars to talk about, um, you know, obviously in that on that occasion it was about the uh, start of the new season with the new generation car Peter so it's it's an awfully long time to uh, not have a a full and frank strategic meeting between all those very diverse parties.
5: Um, It is a long time in between the more formal meetings I'm I'm certain that uh, uh, more informal uh, correspondence uh, is taking place all of the time but I think it's quite a a timely reminder that V8 Supercars is a business, um, and it's one of the aspects I find fascinating that it combines the fast cars and the uh, the drama and the, the human aspects of sport with a uh, quite a, a large, sophisticated business. And the the things that they talk about is things like, uh, you know, what is the value of sponsorship? Um, what is the uh, you know the, the importance of where you set up your merchandise truck. You know some of those sorts of things can make a big difference to the uh, uh, the revenue of a team and their viability. Mm.
1: Adrian, it, it, it seems like uh, the 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 discussions that have been perhaps having privately needed to have a a meeting where everyone got together because there's been rumblings about the competitive the competitiveness between third supercars and teams in general not only at the sponsorship level but obviously uh, when you get to things like hospitality and and promotions how are all the teams getting the same shake of the stick as it were
7: yeah and there's a difficult it's such a difficult economic environment at the moment what you have is teams fighting amongst themselves for the same sponsors but then you also have the Supercars on the lookout for sponsors for their events and the series itself. So everyone's competing for that same market, which over the last few years has diminished. And we're still seeing that lag effect from the global financial crisis. And that will probably hang around for a few years yet. Um, so it's really only going to look a bit brighter next year when the new TV deal comes in and their teams start getting a bit more of a revenue, if any at all. Um, so th- that'll be a big help. But, yeah, I think it's good when you see the series come together like that and, you know, get their ideas and heads together and think up some strategies because, you know, what, it, it's a concern when you the same sponsors just hop- hopping from one team to another. You know, we need to see new sponsors come in and, you know, the teams like Erebus without one, and that's a big concern.
1: Mm. It, it's fascinating because we know that they... Talked about the new TV deal, and obviously how this new TV deal is sold by the teams, and how it's explained by the commercial managers of the teams will directly affect how much they can raise Peter for the uh, signboards that they are, you know, putting out on the track.
5: You're spot on. For a big sponsor, there's really two aspects of the the value of the sponsorship. Uh, One that people uh, often overlook is the the, the business-to-business aspect of a sponsorship. Uh, That is being able to invite your clients to go to a race meeting. Uh, You uh, enjoy the racing from a corporate box, and you have that bonding of cheering for the team together. Um, So, yeah, the hospitality part is an important part. But the part that people can get their minds around much easier is how prominent is the sign and how many eyes out there in tv land are going to see it and if you're on a very popular free-to-wear program a lot of eyes are going to see it but of course the tv market has changed dramatically over the last 10 years in particular because there's so many more channels that people can watch Um, even free-to-wear has so many different choices and if you're there on seven mate Um, you're going to have less, I guess, casual viewers stumble across the the signage. Um, If you're in the main channel, there's a lot of people who are just going to turn on the TV and bingo, there it is, and they'll stay watching for a while. And, uh, I mean, ultimately, the the concern in a sponsorship context is if the viewers have to pay to subscribe to uh, a Foxtel package uh, and then they've got something like 100 channels to stumble through to come across the uh, V8 supercars... You can have less of those casual viewers uh, accidentally see the sign. Now, the uh, the people who are uh, tragic fans and won't miss it for for anything, yes, you're preaching to the converted in many respects. They're still valuable eyes to see the logo, but it's more valuable if you've got a broader audience, of course. Mm.
1: Uh, Adrian, uh, <laughs> there's there's a few things that have been going on over the last few years that has made a lot of people scratch their heads. And I guess one of the uh, interesting uh, sponsorship and uh, advertising uh, or commercial arrangements that they've made is the the V eight Supercar Experience, which of course is uh, the Nor in partnership with the Norwell uh, Driver Centre. Which I think when it started off was like a Marcus Ambrose Russell Ingle type, uh, you know, come and be Marcus, come and be Russell and uh, drive a Ford or a Holden. I I think I've got the right two drivers there.
7: Yeah, I think it it touches on what Peter was saying with the hospitality. Sponsorship is all good if you just have a logo on the car, but what you need to do is you need to engage with people, and the drive experiences are a great way to do that because you can convert people into becoming fans very quickly, and it's no sort of... It's no wonder the likes of the supercars, when they do their ride days and hot laps at events, they're putting in CEOs of big companies for that reason to try and you know, convert them and reward uh, sponsors and things like that. And um, that You need more of that. You need to engage. You need to get in people's faces because, as Peter said, the competition is so intense. You need a point of difference, and that's what the supercars can offer. mm
1: we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders but there's plenty more when we return
2: Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders
4: You've taken the V8 to the races you watch the action on TV Now, read about them in V8X Magazine V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing V8 Supercars Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now.
0: Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
1: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me are Adrian Mussolino and Peter Norton, and uh, guys... (laughs) The V8 Supercar website, of course, is the leading website for um, you know for the V8 Supercar fan. But uh, one thing that all, be it AFL, rugby league, and or V8 Supercars, is trying to do is they're trying to register you and get your details and get that information into you know a, a position where they can start emailing you direct and direct sale of or in this case direct uh, uh, advertise with you at your email address. And obviously, Adrian, it's a, it's a key factor in their marketing strategy to get as many people signed up to their um, accounts or the My V8 um, site as possible.
7: Absolutely, because at the end of the day, it's the easiest, most direct form of marketing. So you can get straight into someone's inbox with you know offers of race tickets or event promotions, whatever it is. Um, so that's a never-ending sort of marketing strategy that their you know, supercars have worked harder on in, in the last couple of years since they bought the digital marketing in-house as opposed to working through Big Pond. And um, there's definitely areas to be made, I think. The thing I've noticed is that you're a, more, a lot more aware of events nowadays. I mean, they do you a better job in terms of promoting them, um, not relying as much on the TV or the newspapers, but more online and through social
5: media and I think there have been gains in that department. Peter? Yes, the, to, to use some of the marketing terminology, they talk about push or pull uh, communications with uh, people with the different channels and the, the, the traditional way was always where the, uh, the, the fan would, uh, would pull the information to themselves. They would go out of their way to uh, look up a website. Now, that's all well and good when the fan is really, truly engaged and they're passionate and they go and check it every day. But the more casual people don't go out of their way to type in v8supercars.com.au uh, or, or whatever. Uh, it's much better if you can push the information to them. Uh, and uh, as Adrian was saying, if you've got their email address, you can, uh, well, let's not call it spam, but you can strategically place Uh, messages into their inbox, whether it's a news update or a special offer or something like that. And people would be familiar with things like Facebook, when you've clicked onto that site, you've actually set up that channel uh, that allows them to uh, push those messages to you. And uh, it might be a news story, you go, that's interesting, you click on it, and uh, after the first paragraph, there's an ad. Um, so it's all quite clever that uh, what they're thinking about, and yeah, getting this engagement, getting the uh, uh, the, the name, the email addresses, um, or the, the likes, is the first step in being able to push that message out to people to, to build the engagement. Because mm. uh, what I've uh, found interesting uh, last year and this, um, we we've got the, the car of the future, we've got more variety in winners. Um, the the race formats, I think, this year are starting to work quite well. We've got the variety in the pointy end of the field. You don't just have the pole sitter racing off into the distance. The racing's better than ever, but somehow the engagement with the fans isn't quite converting. There doesn't seem to be that passion out there in the casual observers that we've had in the past. And I think that's fundamentally the commercial challenge that the the V8 Supercars business has, is how do they get the fans passionate again?
1: Mm. But Adrian, you run the V8X website, and uh, of course you worked uh, with Big Pond uh, uh, a few years ago now. V8 Supercars, of course, have to say, oh, we're going to give a fair and equitable coverage to everyone, be it on the website or even on TV, yet... How do you justify running the same size story on the car, a 25th, as there was on the car that is running first?
7: Yeah, that's a difficult one. And, and that's one we battle as well at V8X, um, where you want to give as much coverage as possible to an equitable amount to all 25 cars. But the reality is your eyes tend to be focused at the pointy end of the grid, and I think what complicates things nowadays is you don't don't just have the two manufacturers, you have five manufacturers across multiple teams and all have different sized teams. So it, it's a very difficult thing and, and I think fans have to understand that there is no bias in all this. It is just a case of if there's more Holdens on the grid, there tends to be more stories about Holdens because there's more talking points from that gaggle than the you know, six forwards on the grid or four Nissans or whatever. So um, it's a real balancing act. What we do, to give you an example, is we'll sit down and have the media guide and we'll tick off as we do a feature or story on each driver team just to make sure we're covering off everyone within a 12-month period. So there are things that can be done, but it is a challenge.
1: Mm. But should the team running 25th, Peter, get an equitable coverage as the the car that's running first. My view is no. That's the privilege of running at the front.
5: uh, Absolutely. But what was fascinating is uh, during the TV coverage at Perth, um, and it comes back to a little bit of what Adrian was saying, what's newsworthy? Uh, What will the fans find interesting? During the TV coverage at Perth, the best dogfight at one point was the battle for last. Uh, 25th and 24th were uh, really turning on a show. Uh, while other people were you know, racing in formation, uh, so sometimes the uh, the people at the very back uh, can get the coverage, but the uh, the risk of having a, a quota and having to fill the quota is what do you say about someone that's finishing 19th week in week out, uh, and, unless they're a uh, you know a, a celebrity and and uh, creating newsworthy uh, comments for what they're doing off the track. Um, yeah, what can you say if they continue to run 19th and they're actually underperforming and there's really nothing to talk about mm. that, nothing yeah, remarkable that, that, is,
7: that is difficult and what we find as well is you look for those stories that they can tell, so for example um, the battle for last, I think you were talking about was between Jack Perkins and Dale Wood um, coincidentally we've got two features on them in our next issue and they both have very interesting stories to tell in terms of their comebacks to the series. And they were main gamers previously. They lost their drives, had to go re, you know, rework and a few things, and fight their way back in. So there's interesting stories to tell. But inevitably, they're not going to be, for example, with our magazine, they're not going to be a cover story. So you have to sort of balance that and um, work in that regard. But. As you said, the battle at the moment is 1st and 2nd, AAA, FTR, and, um, you know, it's no coincidence that Volvo's enjoying this sort of bandwagon support because they're getting the results.
1: Mm, That's exactly right. I guess one of the things that has been speculated upon the most over the last couple of years is how much sponsors, and I'm probably telling tales out of school here, but when I say speculated upon, I mean when... All of us journos are getting into the media centre and we're hearing stories from teams about, oh, yeah, they're on two cars, but they've only paid for one. I know this is something that uh, is concerning for supercars because, uh, you know, it's probably harsh to say, but if you start discounting too much, you're actually damaging the pro the, the product, Peter.
5: Well, exactly. Uh, if you get something for free, then you never value it, do you? Um, but uh, if you pay a, a fair price for it, then you do more with it. You'll, uh, as a sponsor, you, you may invest uh, uh, good money to activate it and get the most out of it. But if you get the signage for free, then so what? Uh, so I think it is a, an, an important issue. And uh, likewise, uh, it's somewhat related to that is cars that uh, go around without sponsorship, Um, You know, to be professional, first you have to look professional. And uh, we know that with Techno, uh, previously, when uh, Jonathan Webb was getting around with a predominantly white car, you know, that had a few people a bit nervous that it wasn't sending the the right signal. Um, With Erebus, at least it's not plain white.
1: Yes, but uh, I would argue that at least it's saying we we have got a sponsorship here if you're willing to pay the price just remember when Ross Braun started his team, it turned up at uh, Melbourne without a sponsor on it and he went on to win the World Championship that year. Well, his team went on to win the World Championship that year. So Adrian, uh, just having a white car doesn't exclude you from being competitive.
7: No, it doesn't and the the fact that we haven't discussed and touched on is that there are some team owners, um, not naming names, um, that can really afford to bankroll the operations themselves and that's what we've seen in the past, where sponsorship hasn't been as important for Team A than it is for Team B, which means it's a the whole thing. So that disparity has caused issues before, where you know Team A can offer extra amounts of sponsor because they don't need as much, whereas another team does. So that sponsor inevitably goes to the cheaper option. So um, there's that factor as well, and um, it, it all comes back to the, how competitive the market is and as I was saying earlier, what we're seeing is the same sponsors just team-hopping and not so many new ones coming in. Um, I think the the Red Bull, Pepsi Max inclusion last year was, was a positive sign because there were two sponsors who, you know, okay, one's got a very rich, motorsport pedigree, but the other isn't automotive brand and stuff. So that's what you need to see more of. Um, less of the oil companies and things like that, more of the soft drinks or chips or whatever it is
1: well they call like them in the trade it. fmcgs fast moving consumer goods and uh i think for the last 20 years we've been talking about peter those fmg uh, cg companies getting on board because uh, well i think we first said with no cigarette money there's going to be no money in motorsport
5: well, exactly. You're spot on there that uh, people's mindset changed when uh, cigarette money left, but also when the, the car manufacturers uh, started to uh, find other ways to market their brands, not just their sporting pedigree, but uh, you know, safety and uh, uh, technology become, has become so much more important in the, uh, the sales experience for uh, car buyers. And, uh, yeah, the oil companies, uh, uh, I may be wrong, but my impression is that uh, uh, most car owners... Don't really care if they're using Castrol or Mobil in their car. The the, the dealer just puts in the standard oil. Um, it's not a, a consumer choice anymore. Uh, people just don't worry about what oil because they're all so good. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh we see in NASCAR that they've got a, a have had a you know, wide variety of those other consumer goods uh, as long-term sponsors, you know, M&Ms and uh, you know, washing detergents and all sorts of things, and that's the diversity that uh, a sport would love to achieve.
7: Yeah, Adrian? Yeah, and, and we forget as well, just to sort of touch on something we mentioned, um, how much the sport relied on tobacco back in the day. Like, um, at the moment, we're researching some features from 84 and 94 and events that happened in that seat those seasons and you know you look back and you go through the photos and you see that the big wig tobacco companies involved and how much they would have poured in um you know when that was lost for sport there was a big chunk of the market gone and it's very hard to replace that and you look at other categories like moto gp for example they're still struggling to replace the, the tobacco money and um so it's very difficult to sort of then when your sort of sponsorship domain's been restricted to one market then expand beyond that, especially I think in a motoring, um, motorsport where we really live in a market of ball sports and football and things like that. So in big CEOs' minds, the yeah, supercars is down the picking on it. Mm.
1: And also uh, if you take AFL for an example, they have memberships, they have uh, corporate Uh, Sorry, not corporate. They have uh, sales lines, football jumpers, uh, you know, tracksuit tops and pants, which sell in huge numbers, generating a very large amount of revenue for that football club as well. Whilst their supercars do get a lot of revenue from uh, merchandise, uh, you're not starting with a membership. You know, um, I'm a country member of Carlton, And, uh, you know, they're getting my $50 up front. They've got 45,000 people paying $50 plus. If V8 supercars could get 10,000, or sorry, if a V8 supercar team could get 10,000 people paying $50 plus to be a member, that would uh, put them on a much better financial footing in the first place.
7: Yeah, and, and what we've seen in the last few years is V8 Supercar teams really go down that membership route and try and create these same clubs and, and things, and they've done it with varying success, but it's a start. Um,
1: Their problem think- is they just can't offer, and this is where competition between V8 Supercars and and uh, the teams comes in, they can't offer admittance to the ground. Uh, you remember no. on the weekend... I put my membership pass under the uh under the barcode reader and walk through the gate and watch my football team play. You can't it's you been can't been do that as that. a member of a, of a VAT supercar team.
7: No, but in saying that I think they do a do a good job that when you're in that when you're in the track they then give you an experience that other sports can't compare. I mean the fact that in Vet Supercars you can go around and pay X amount and get into the garages and things like that. Um, you know, it's the equivalent of going to change rooms of an AFL game where you know, it's restricted to a, a very few. So I think the experiences are very good. Um, teams are doing a better job at servicing those clubs and expanding them. Um, but again, it's an area that needs to be improved on and expanded on. And it's um, it, it's hard work out there, definitely.
1: Mm. All right. Well, it's been great to catch up with you, Adrian and Peter, and look forward to seeing you up there at Darwin.
5: Yeah, can't wait. Should be good. Yeah, it's all right for some. Others who live in the southern states and uh, can't uh, jump on a plane for whatever reason. they shiver at home watching it on the TV So uh, uh, enjoy the uh, the warm weather fellas
1: <laughs> right. uh, The white flag lap is up next And we've got a double white flag lap for you Because we look at what the teams are doing In the break between Perth and Darwin And also speak to the Nissan new boy In Alex Buncombe
4: You've taken the V8 to the races you watch the action on TV Now read about them in V8X Magazine V8X Magazine Dedicated to just one thing
2: Would you like to own a V8 supercar just like Lounge, Wink-Up or Frosty? Maybe historic Australian muscle cars are more your thing. Well, stop dreaming and go to motorfocus.com.au. We have over 2,000 highly detailed models in stock ready to mail. Get your models online at motorfocus.com.au.
1: Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers, we speak with Adrian Burgess and Fabian Coulthard about the break before Darwin. So, how does Adrian Burgess look at the break between Perth and Darwin to ensure that HRT keeps moving forward? You
3: know, it definitely helps having more time. But look, the you know the problem is that the rest of the paddock can't just sit there on holiday. You know, they're working hard as well. So, you know, we just got to make sure we're working at a, a steeper rate of development than they are to try and catch up. Otherwise, uh, you never do catch up. But you know, five weeks will be good. We'll definitely get some. Some updates on the car. We've got some engine things coming for the next event, uh, which I know are on target. Uh, there will be some chassis updates as well, but it's always a moving goalpost. That's the problem.
1: Are you able to roster through some staff to get some holidays? Because holidays over Christmas have almost become a joke since Sydney came
3: around. Oh, it's definitely been hard, but um, with with these longer turnarounds now, then yeah, you can you can make sure that you're not burning the staff out. The staff are a lot happier once we came out of uh, Tassie and Winton double header and the schedule <clears throat> gets back to something a little bit more sensible and yeah the, the guys are in good spirits they're seeing uh, some of the rewards are there uh, hard work but yeah we're not we're not exactly on the podium every weekend yet so we've still got a long way to go.
1: For Fabian Coulthard his solid year is continuing what's he looking forward to in the break? Gives us a bit of time to actually stop scratch and have a bit of a think you know
5: so Um, You know, we definitely need the time. It's been a crazy start to the year. It's been very busy, full
0: on. Um, Obviously, they had to fix some crash damage in the early part of the year. So for
2: us to, you know, get time to regroup and, you know, get parts, new parts, things like that, you know, I think it'll be a a welcome time.
1: You're going to have a test? We are, yes. What are you hoping? What sort of parts and what areas of the car are you looking to make some gains when you... When you're racing out there, you can see where you've got it over others and others have got it over you. I think we just need quality quality pace. Um, It's very difficult to test qualifying pace at a test day. So, um, yeah, look, we're just going to have to look at our plan, see what we need. If we get some parts for the test, then, you know, obviously we'll try and test those. But if they're online by then, I'm not sure. Well, we were lucky enough to be joined now by Alex Buncombe, who is driving with Todd Kelly in this year's Pertec Cup. And, Alex, I'll start off by asking, how much do you like Jack Daniels?
0: <laughs> I'm not a big fan, unfortunately. Uh, I, thought I think the sort
1: of level I thought the answer might be uh, a lot more now. <laughs>
0: I don't, I don't, I, I don't drink much to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah,
1: fair enough. Uh, but uh, you had a taste of the uh, Jack Daniel's car, if you like, at the uh, Sydney Motorsport Park ahead of uh, going to the 12 Hour this year. Obviously, you you liked what uh, you felt underneath you.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, couldn't believe it. You, you know, when I got there, and um, it all had to sort of sink in when I got behind the steering wheel. It was uh, a little bit. For real, because I've always uh, always wanted to, you know, experience the uh, V8 supercar, and it was a fantastic opportunity for me. Right. Um, and yeah, I I, I got up to eight. Unfortunately, it was a bit wet. Um, the First few laps was wet, so that wasn't did. Like um But I got a few laps out at the end in the dry, and uh, yeah, my my lap times were were coming down, and um, yeah, I, I I had a had a great test basically.
1: Mm. And- and then the following week, you went to Mount Panorama, and uh, uh, that is obviously important to get a few laps there in uh, before you thought, get a chance to drive a V8 supercar. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, to to, to get around Mount uh, my my Panorama was, was an awesome experience. Um, it it was all that I thought it would be and and more. Basically, I mean, you know, what a crazy track it is, and uh, I mean the GTR. G, GT3 now, I mean, uh, you know, up up over the top there was pretty scary and I I can't imagine what that's going to be like in a a V8 supercar with even less aero. So um, that's going to be a a hell of an experience for me and, um, you know, what a great opportunity it's going to be for me.
1: Mm. Obviously, you don't mind uh, travelling for your racing because uh, you've been all over the world this year uh, with the uh, Nissan Global Driver or the NISMO uh, Academy Program and, and uh, I guess it's important yeah. to say that you, you aren't one of the Academy drivers, you're actually the, the professional driver that works with the amateurs
0: Absolutely yeah. I started um, I started racing with um, Team RJ who have, have been the, the team that have run the PT Academy Program and I've been their driver for well since 2007 now um, and, and the to drive alongside Lucas Ordinez who was the first winner of uh, the GT Academy ground and it's it's just gone from there basically and we've had lots of uh, success with with each um, each winner of the Academy, really successful and it's just gone and it's just sort of grown and grown over the years and you know, the Blockhangeran series, British GT with uh, Sir Chris for the Olympic side and you know, this um, Nismo exchange program is you know it's turning out to be you know we're seeing uh you know when we had um kazuki hoshino from japan came over last year to europe and he raced at the the nurburgring um and we've now got Kazumusi chio um doing the Blanc pain endurance so this this um exchange program is really really you know working out for us
1: yeah yeah and of course you had uh rick kelly in the car with you at Bathurst, and uh, uh, now you're going to be okay. dry, driving with his brother Todd.
0: Yes, absolutely. I was, yeah, I was just obviously going to say about uh, a great guy to have in the car. It was crucial for us to have someone you know who who, who knew the, the track extremely well, and you know Rick did a uh, job, and he did a did a fantastic job in qualifying in the first um, stint of the race. He did an awesome stint. Uh, yeah, it was great to have have his Knowledge of the circuit was was extremely important, you know, for us as novices to the circuit. It was you know extremely important to have someone like uh, you know, with him, you know, inside in you know in the team's and uh, we did a track walk, and he you know explained certain parts of the track where we need to be careful, and you know where to place the car, etc. And uh, yeah, that that proved to be essential for us in our first few laps out there
1: and of course whilst Bathurst is the focal point of uh, the Australian motor racing year you'll also be racing at the Sandown 500 and the Gold Coast 600 are you a simulator guy I guess uh, (laughs) or your co-drivers are but uh, are you going to learn those two other tracks by simulator or you're just one of those people that jump in the car and says well if I get five minutes practice that'll do me
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, with um, modern day technology, I can uh, view quite a lot of onboard footage and, and get as much data of the circuits that I can. Um, there's some simulators as well that I may be able to get involved with, so I can learn the circuits. But you know, it's it, um, you know, as a professional driver, I should just be able to click with it and you know, get in the car and, and and learn as much as I can as quickly as possible, which is key to being a, a, a good driver. You know, so. Um, yeah, hopefully I can and bring bring something to the team, and uh, yeah, it should be a should be a fantastic experience for us. Mm. Uh,
1: with three races uh, in Australia, are you going to be jetting back and forth to try and fit in your existing program, or are you going to be able to stay out here for the uh, what is it, a month and a half that uh, those three yeah. races span?
0: um I'm, I'm sure at the moment i 'm pretty sure um what 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 might have to happen i I think i'm going to be having to to, to come back once Uh not exactly sure when, but my my schedule in Europe is pretty busy at the moment, but l- luckily around um, September and october um it, it, it does calm down slightly over here in Europe so um I mean fingers crossed, it would be ideal to stay out you know in Australia. For the whole time. Um, you know, there's a few test days as well that are available and um, it would be great to get as much time in the car as I can before I, before the lights go uh, green in uh, in Barca. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting in the car as much as possible.
1: Mm. And of course, uh, just last week, Nissan announced that they are going to go LMP1. They're going to have a full assault on Le Mans 24-hour. How does... How does that uh, relate to what you're going to be doing in the future with NISMO?
0: Obviously, that, that, that would be a, a, a massive goal for me to be involved with with the program. Um, I'd love to be involved. I think I'd be a, a great candidate. I'm uh, huge experience. And, um, you know, if I can get involved in that, that, that would be absolutely fantastic. You know, I've done lots and lots of uh, big, you know, big races, I've done spark Spa 24 Hours, Nürburgring 24 Hours and the um, uh, you know, 24 Hours is one that I would absolutely love to do um, and, and um, yeah I, I, I'd love to be in the car for uh, next year, you know, that would be absolutely fantastic for my career
1: mm. And uh, of course for those who want to see what you like there is a, an amazing viral video, was it Monza where you've driven from the back to uh, the front of the field yeah. in a lap? <laughs>
0: Absolutely, we we unfortunately had a problem with the turbo boost um on our car in qualifying so we we only qualified down in the thirty second position i started out of uh forty five cars so um and i started and, yeah i mean i i didn't have uh didn't have the red mist as they say but um i, I knew that the, the first lap um is really really important if you start down the back it's just so important to um do as do as best you can in the first couple of laps, and yeah, the the the, the gap just sort of opened up for me um, going into turn one. I passed about ten before the first corner, and uh, I think I passed another four at the end of the first lap. So I, I, I think I passed about 14 or 15 cars in in one lap, I believe. So, yeah, it, it was just one of those it was just one of those perfect laps that that just went went right, you know. So um, I don't expect you know. I'd, that'll happen again for a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, well obviously the idea is to start up the front in the first place.
0: <laughs> absolutely, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, it was a shame we had issues in in uh, you know, in, in qualifying with the car but uh you know these these things happen and uh yeah, you know it's um you know, we started down there in 2012, but um, you know, in the rain, that we we didn't have quite such a good lap as we did this year. It was, um, yeah, it was uh, a crazy first lap, and uh, yeah, it's gone massive on uh, on YouTube and everything, which is great. I think I'm nearly up to half half a million uh, half, half a million views now, so um, yeah, it'd be great to get to that milestone.
1: Yeah, well, it's a, it's a fantastic clip, and uh, I, I'll make sure there's a <laughs> link on the website to it for the people who want to see it. Um, Alex, thanks very much. We're, we're looking forward to uh, seeing you back down here in Australia and uh, hope you get to enjoy a bit better weather than you had to put up with when you were in the Absolutely. Ultima uh, than you did at Sydney Motorsport Park.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's, 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 um, thank you for uh, talking to me. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to get out there and get involved with the team and uh, get back behind I some dry weather which I'm sure I will do in Australia we have plenty of that over here in so, uh, if, you know if it does rain it's not the end of the world I am used to it So, um, but um, very much and um, I can't wait to get out there
1: My thanks to Fabian Coulthard, Adrian Burgess of course Adrian Mussolino and Peter Norton
2: as the chequered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders till next time round keep smiling and bye for now Join us next week for more V8 Insiders only on V8x.com.au